Hello, this is KP from the In On Health podcast. We will be taking a break to recharge the batteries as we end summer here in the U.S. In the meantime, we would like to share some content from season one that some of our new listeners may have missed and that is also very much in tune with season two themes. In this episode, I speak with Joy Lewis, the Senior Vice President of Health Equity Strategies at the American Hospital Association. We discuss not only her personal journey, but the important work that she's leading at the American Hospital Association to support health systems across the U.S. in embedding health equity strategies around their work. I think this also deeply complements the podcast in season two that just released with Dr. Aletha Maybank, the Chief Health Equity Officer of the American Medical Association. I hope you enjoy. So, Joy, um, we had the chance to first meet when you were working on rural health strategies um, at the American Hospital Association. Um, And I've really enjoyed seeing how you've moved into different leadership spaces in our country around health equity. Before we go into that conversation, can you tell us a bit more about your career in healthcare and how you ended up at the AHA and in this role today? Sure. My pleasure. Thanks so much for the opportunity to be in community with you today, KP. Um, I'm pretty sure I've I've shared with you before that my career started in a hospital. So in some ways, my being at the American Hospital Association feels like a full circle moment uh, for me. Yeah, I started out as a medical social worker in a large public hospital, what some folks refer to as a safety net hospital in Los Angeles. And I was providing direct clinical services in pediatrics and um, the neonatal service, OBGYN, in inpatient and ambulatory. I have to tell you that it was excellent training for a new grad, you know, fresh out of my MSW program I, I saw a little bit of everything. Okay. And after almost four years of doing that, I, I left and went to work at Kaiser Permanente, where I spent almost two decades. And I wrapped my career at KP working on both international and domestic health policy. And the, the one thing I would say that's been a, a consistent thread or theme across my roles is that I seem to have a knack for brand new positions, including this one that I currently occupy at the AHA uh, since January of this year. So three of the roles I held at Kaiser Permanente were ones that I was the first person to occupy. And wow. so, you know... Maybe it's safe to say that my career has been a series of experiments. (laughs) And sometimes it's frankly just about raising your hand and uh, staying prepared and and ready so that when the opportunity presents itself, you know, you can walk right in and and then develop the role into something even greater. So, yeah, that's been my trajectory, my story. And I am now two and a half years in at the American Hospital Association. And um, as you mentioned, I came on board to really lead some strategic policy work for the association uh, to shape policy uh, versus being in a reactive stance. And so the rural work was was one of my 
one of the topics in my portfolio okay. uh, a, a couple years ago. Right. That's amazing. So when when you look at the this kind of thread you're talking about of having these new roles inside of institutions, um, it sounds like a lot of that has really been, though maybe the language used at the time wasn't you know, health equity seems like that theme also cuts through your work. Um, maybe you can share were there some moments in your career, like were there just like some clear insights to you that were like something's got to change around health equity, or and then and then how does that and how do you think about health equity now as you're taking on this new role um, at the AHA? Sure. So you know, I happen to think that the AHA's vision statement is essentially what we mean by health equity, and I I would venture to say obviously this predates me, but I don't think it was written with that intent in mind. Okay. But it it certainly resonates. So the HA vision is of a society of healthy communities where all individuals reach their highest potential for health. So. If you break that down, KP, it it means that everyone, each of us gets the support, the supports that that we need to lead as healthy a life as possible. Exactly. And I I think you'd agree that you and I have different needs, right? Of course. So we're not looking to the, when we, when we interact and have medical encounters, we're not looking to be treated in the exact same way. That would be equality. Mm -hmm. So in a nutshell, equity is everyone having that fair and just opportunity to achieve health and overall well-being. And so our goal really has to be to eliminate those structural barriers that get in the way of folks being able to to live their best lives. And, you know, the one thing you won't find on my resume is that I'm an immigrant born and raised in Jamaica. Okay. Which... You know, by the way, being raised in a society where black is the dominant group and black is is powerful and strong and celebrated, you actually have a different perspective than than blacks who are born and raised in in this country and in other parts of the world where where the mistreatment by those with who hold power and privilege is is daily. And so mm-hmm. and of don't course. get me wrong, Jamaica is not utopia. It has its own set of color related issues, but they play out in a different way. Right. In a different way. So, yeah. I, I, you know, I'll just say that I had no real awareness of racism until I migrated to this country as a teenager. So that that might provide some some context for you. But, you know, here I am and I, I would be remiss as a black female healthcare leader to not see my role in really advancing, well, dismantling the structures that we just described, those barriers, those structural barriers, and then working on building more just, more equitable uh, systems of care. I mean, it's an imperative for me. Health is my cause. It's, it's, it's what I've always wanted to do since I was a little girl, eight years right. old. And I said, I wanted to be an OBGYN. And while that didn't materialize, I took a different path. I've, I did actually become a certified doula back in 2004. Oh, wow. uh, After, after my, I gave birth to my son. And so, you know, these issues around justice and equity and, 
these are things I've been passionate about for a really long time. Yeah. And I think you've brought up also a really important point. And I mean, as you know, well, both my parents are from Ghana and I was born in the U.S. So, you know, it's uh, yeah, I think the experience of and in this case of black people um, in different parts of the world and how they experience racism in their context and in the U.S. is it's it's not something that's often talked about. Right. I think we kind of paint this uniform brush of what racism and how people experience it is. Um, So I think that's something that you've highlighted that is important and that we don't hear enough. Um, And I'm sure it shapes your perspective on how you think about health equity. Um, As you took on this new role at the AHA, how do you tackle that? How do you think about health equity in the context of the American Hospital Association's mandate? And what are some of the key strategies that you're starting to formulate? Absolutely. Happy to share um, what our current thinking is and where we're trying to 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 move the field. So, you know, our our goal at the end of the day is to show up as one of the actors in the healthcare ecosystem. We really see ourselves, hospitals and health systems, having a critical role to play in eliminating uh, health disparities. And so we want to make sure first and foremost that our systems of care are not perpetuating the harms that have gotten us to where we are today, right? And so what we're looking at is a scenario where outcomes and health conditions are linked to societal factors, which, by the way, we know are modifiable. So, you know, it, we exactly. know we will know that we've achieved health equity when the quality of care that's rendered does not vary based on personal characteristics like race and ethnicity and gender and, and gender, yep. geography, mm-hmm. right? Place, and yep. one's socioeconomic status. So this work of advancing equity really involves removing those barriers that we just talked about that are structural in nature and that maintain those systems of advantage for some. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to dismantle the existing structures, we have to replace them with something that is more just. And so I think the moral case is being heard. Uh, We now have our leaders, our healthcare leaders who see that the case for equity is being made. Right. And I mean, granted, it's on the heels of some poor outcomes. Think of uh, last summer and the social justice movement following George Floyd's murder. When you think about the disparate experience that many black and brown and other folks of color are having around the pandemic, the fluctuating COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. Again, just really bringing to the forefront why this work is so critical. But whatever it is that, you know, we can now tether to, I, I, I think we as hospitals know that we're often the largest player in the communities we serve. Exactly. We're considered anchor institutions. We're the largest employers. We drive that local economy. And so how might we as hospitals be cognizant of that power that we hold and be intentional then about taking actions that advance equity in both our business practices as well as in clinical care? So it, it's both an operational and, and a clinical case that needs to be made for why it makes sense to to pay attention to eliminating disparities. And I think our leaders are activated around this issue of accelerating equity. 
Okay. They are chomping at the bit for resources and tools and strategies to really advance equitable outcomes and to make their workplaces more inclusive and more just. And so the Institute for Diversity and Health Equity, which I lead, is the AHA's vehicle to really push out those strategies and resources and information to help the help our members uh, take action. And so right now, we are busy working on an equity roadmap with funding from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. And the roadmap is really designed to help our members build vision and strategy, put the structures in place, put the right leadership in place. You know, really the, the tactical capacity to work in partnership with the very communities we're trying to solve for these issues, you know, for. And so at the end of the day, I think if we can develop a suite of uh, products and information and provide the right set of resources, our members are, are really activated to mobilize at this point. Okay. And, you know, I would just say that I think the urgency that some of us in this work feel is that th- this really does feel like we've been given a window of opportunity that we need to leverage mm-hmm. for for sustained change, right? So that's that's the work. That's what that's we're the up work. to. Yeah, no, and it's um it's amazing, and that's a also a it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's not a small <laughs> task. So, so yeah, I know your, your phone's ringing endlessly. Um, so yeah. how do you, how do you start? So I'm hearing a few things. Some of it is, you know, making the case. Some of it is, um, tools and resources that help hospitals tackle the health disparity issue. And, and it sounds like for you, success ultimately is, is eliminating disparities in the context of our our health systems, but how do you, like, where do you prioritize in there? I know you've got this roadmap coming, but like, how do you see some of the signature initiatives maybe in the nearer term to help start to move the needle? And obviously some of this will be longer term work. Yeah. So the work is iterative and mm-hmm. it's, um, it's the long game, as you just said, but we, uh, you know, this isn't new work either. <laughs> so right. we're actually, building on work that started, I mean, the Institute for Diversity and Health Equity used to be the Institute for Diversity Management, I think it was, uh, where the focus was on how do you diversify, how do you bring diverse individuals with diverse characteristics into leadership positions inside hospitals and health systems, right? So that whole pipeline conversation. Exactly. And so when our new CEO, Rick Pollack, came on board, he expanded from a narrow focus on just, you know, management and leadership and governance to thinking much more broadly about the other dimensions uh, of, of diversity and, and, and equity, really expanding into that. So we haven't abandoned the, the early work which was around, uh, again, leadership and governance, diversity, and making sure that our leaders represent and reflect, you know, the communities that 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 our members are serving. Yeah. But we're also really doubling down on the use of data to to inform care, right? Mm -hmm. To, to, To improve outcomes. And so 
historically, folks have been kind of in the collection of real data, race, ethnicity, and language. And now yep. we're saying we need to move beyond that and go into sexual orientation and gender identity data. Mm-hmm. We need to collect data from our patients and communities around their non-medical needs, their social needs, right, that we know impact their ability to then engage in their in their health. So thinking about housing conditions and food insecurity and, uh, you know, folks' transportation needs. So before we start to say someone's non-compliant, let's think about, let's think about them in the broader context within which they're operating and how we might then lend our, our support to ensure that they can, again, lead their healthiest lives. So I think when we, and, and all of this work we know needs to be done with a certain level of cultural humility. So exactly. what, what are the, what do our providers inside our hospitals and health systems need to be doing to ensure that the bias that we all possess doesn't come into play in a way that, that negatively impacts uh, out, outcomes for, for certain populations of patients. So there's all of that. And I think probably one of the biggest pivot points we need to make as a field is to be much more intentional about co-designing and co-developing our health equity solutions with the communities with the community, that yeah. we're serving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is not okay for us you know, as a hospital to kind of swoop into a community and tell them what we're going to do for them. Yeah. Right. It's, it's to, it's to really do it in true partnership. And that is something I think we're going to need to do some more work around. Cause I think as hospitals, we're kind of used to, you know, we might convene folks, get them around the table, but it doesn't necessarily translate to that co-design element that I, that I'm I'm describing to you. Exactly, which is ultimately so, going to build not just good solutions but then the ones that are the stickiest and become sustainable, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We're mm-hmm. going for the sticky factor, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, that's great. I want to make sure that we talk about this in terms of urban and rural context. So, you know, health equity has a racial disparities lens that we're all talking about. But then also there's the elements of um, rural healthcare challenges and our urban-rural divide. And given you've worked on these both of these issues quite deeply, maybe you can help frame how you see it and how we cover both of those spaces of rural health equity issues and racial disparities and, and, and other issues in, in health disparity landscape. Absolutely. You know, that's a really good question. I've always, I've often said that if we can solve the health care challenges in rural America, we will have solved it for much of the rest of the country because the experience in rural is amplified. Exactly. I mean, it's essentially health care challenges on steroids. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's access to care or coverage issues or workforce issues, provider shortages, all the way to certain conditions, the opioid crisis, our current experience with COVID vaccine rates, the list goes on and on. The issues are really magnified for our rural brethren. And so I find that we have an opportunity for educating many of our rural healthcare providers who 
in this equity space, I've heard say, you know, we don't have equity challenges because we're a, a homogenous community. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's white. Right, right. <laughs> and and so you and I know that that's a miss, right? Because mm-hmm. when we're talking about diversity and representation, it, it goes beyond racial and ethnic diversity. And, and exactly. don't get me wrong. I think racial ethnic diversity is the is the right starting point because of its intersectionality with all the other dimensions of diversity, age, gender, ability, disability, sexual orientation, you name it. Mm-hmm. So we, we want to expand our definition of diversity and, and deploy strategies and actions that are responsive to all of the isms that are out there. So, right. you know, when I started two and a half years at the AHA, I worked on rural issues, as you mentioned. And I, I tell everyone I had no prior professional or personal, really, exposure to rural health. I right. mean, I'm a, city, I'm a city girl. I'm a city dweller. Brooklyn mm-hmm. to L.A., now to D.C. Right. And uh, professionally, because KP is where I spent the bulk of my career. And, you know, KP has little or no exposure in, in rural settings. If you know anything about the Kaiser Permanente model and its full vertical and horizontal integration you know, that it wouldn't scale well in in the rural context because you really do need the density of the population to make that model work. Exactly. But but I I digress a bit. I stood up, when I arrived at the AHA, I stood up a future rural healthcare task force to, to think about how to design and organize a system of care to, to maintain access to high quality care in rural communities. And I would probably stress local access mm-hmm. because far too often we hear the stories of patients. A good example is, is you know, in maternal health, right? Where you've got the expectant laboring mom who has to travel many, many miles to the hospital to, the to hospital. deliver her baby because, you know, the OB service line at the hospital in her, her community is no longer. So mm-hmm. the, the, the task that was in front of this group of rural hospital CEOs that I led was to really think about how to design new care models and new payment models to transform rural health care for the 20% of Americans who live in rural communities. And so I think the task force tackled this question and really did a good job. And they've issued a, a 50-page report right. with some some new ideas and they also highlighted some promising practices um, like leveraging telemedicine. Well, I guess first it would be expanding broadband and and Mm -hmm. mobile technologies. That's your sweet spot, Katie. Yep, exactly. Um, And then right-sizing some of our facilities to meet the needs of the community because, you know, recognizing that not every rural community needs the full range of services that a hospital typically offers. So, I'd encourage your listeners to to look up that report. Yeah, we'll it's share rich, that. It acknowledges. Yeah, please. Mm-hmm. Because I think the other thing it does a good job is uh, of is acknowledging that rural is not a monolith. So the solutions that are developed need to be nimble enough to respond to the local context. Yeah, no, so, exactly. But, you know, the moral of the story is that I, you can learn something new <laughs> no matter how seasoned you are in your career. Because, like I said, I'm now very conversant on rural health issues. And two years ago, I, I, I knew nothing, right? So, but there, there's a clear intersection around um, the, the, the magnitude of 
health challenges in rural communities. And then when you layer on the disparities, you know, it's it's a big issue to yes, solve. Exactly. Exactly. No, thanks so much for that insight. And, um, you know, I asked all my guests this, but you've you've framed this kind of throughout the conversation. But why are you in on health equity? And is there any personal experience that you haven't shared that you want to share that kind of frames up why this is so important to you? And it's not just about this role at the AHA. Well, how could I not be in on health equity? I mean, this is my life, right, KP? You exactly. Know, I'm, as I mentioned, and, you know, just my worldview that I bring to this um, as an immigrant and as a black female healthcare leader. I, I mean, I, I have a black male child, a young man, actually. He's starting college this fall. So for me, this Amazing. work is both personal and and professional, which, which actually makes it hard because it means I'm always on, right? Exactly. These, these issues of, of justice and fairness and equity are always front and center and always top of mind for me. So it, it does keep me up at night. And I would say that this work requires that you have a village. So I'm fortunate to have folks I can go to when I, I need to decompress but I, I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. Health, like I said earlier, health is my cause. It's what I've always wanted to do since I was a little, little girl. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm likely to return to my doula practice at some point. <laughs> at some you point, know, that's going to come full circle. It's going to come, it's going to be another full circle moment. Because when I think about the maternal health space, it's ripe for solutions to address the issues of inequity around maternal morbidity and mortality for black women and native women. And so I, I, I want to be a part of the solution um, for, for folks who, are, who otherwise don't have a voice, who otherwise don't have a seat at the table. I, I'm grateful, honestly, and humble for the opportunity to work on such critical issues and at such a critical time uh, in our country's history. So this, this is, I, wouldn't, I would not be doing anything other than this, just to be clear. Well, thank you so much. And we appreciate everything you're doing and, and the insights you've shared. So uh, for our listeners, Joy Lewis, Senior Vice President of Health Equity Strategies at the American Hospital Association. We appreciate your time um, and jumping out of your busy schedule to be with us. Absolutely, KP. Thank you so much for inviting me to be uh, in fellowship with you today. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us for the In On Health podcast. For more information on this guest and other episodes, please go to www.inonhealth.com slash podcast. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter at In On Health. Until next time, this is your host KP signing off.